January 3rd, 2011. Would you all please rise and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance? Thank you. I'll entertain a motion to approve the December 14th, 2010 minutes made by Shannon, second by Chris. Are there any corrections, clarifications? Shannon and then Roy? We start on page two. Sorry, that's really loud. Paragraph one. And in the second to last line, it's uh, Geography B, the chess club, the stock market unit. And then we jump to page four. It's paragraph five, but the first paragraph under warrant articles. And it says Superintendent Chaffer reported the need for a housekeeping warrant article and a collective bargaining warrant article. I'm just concerned that housekeeping may be referred to by anyone reading in the general public as maintenance. So I don't know if there's a better way to phrase it so that people don't think it's like a maintenance type contract. And I will defer to Marge and her contact if you prefer. And those were the two changes I had. Um, yeah, my only change is that it has me listed as present and I wasn't for the 14th. Um, I, I was there in spirit, thinking about it the whole time. And um, so in addition to taking me off there, I believe the uh, vote on the very last line of the very last page should be 400, not 500. Any other corrections? Jennifer? On uh, page three of four, I just wanted to note, I, I believe there was some board discussion that wasn't put in here. I know we had a bit of discussion about the 70 computers at the high school, um, and it wasn't necessarily noted about the board discussing anything. We've got the student rep showing her discussion. Um, but I know that I spoke up about questioning the need for it, and I think that Chris, you had weighed in a little bit on that too. So maybe if we could just check the tape and go back and, and take a look at that. Uh, and then on page four, under uh, public participation, George Markwell, I believe the comment was um, during drop-off times only. I don't think he referenced during the pickup and drop-off, just during drop-off time at Master Cola. So, um, and that was all I had. Chris, do you have anything else? Seeing none, we'll put the motion to a vote. All those in favor of approving the minutes from December 14th, 2010, please signify by saying aye. Opposed? Abstentions. Passes 401 with board member Swanger abstaining. I will now entertain a motion to approve the December 20th, 2010 minutes made by Roy, second by Jen. Corrections and clarifications, Shannon and then Roy. Again, page two. It is the second, or, um, it's the last section, number four, response to Ed Jobs funding. And if we could take out a phrase, I think it would make it a little easier to read along. And it's the first line about Business Administrator Chevenel. And if we could just get rid of, or it could uh, after the or, it could apply to the Ed Jobs funding. I think it would be clearer. So it will read, um, 
The board can apply the Ed Jobs funding to the current fiscal year budget or to the 2011-2012 fiscal budget. I think that would make it a lot clearer. And then page five. See if I was good enough to put a paragraph number down. No. However, it's the first paragraph under committee reports. And um, the sec it's the second line. She reported that the town of Merrimack is opting and they're not opting, it's the budget discussion. So the town of Merrimack is discussing opting not to maintain the O'Gara Drive tennis courts through their budget deliberations. And I won't be investigating tennis court options because that's out of the purview of my role. So um, she will report options investigated by Parks and Rec Director Kalish. And after that, I think it, we're on to... Um, Page six, when you're ready. You're good? Okay. Um, and it's just uh, the last, and I will defer to the chair if I'm off on this one, but Board Member Barnes moved, seconded by Swanger, to move to non-public. Or we just, is it to adjourn? It's to adjourn? Right, because we've moved into a public meeting that had already been adjourned and had just been recessed for non-public, so that's proper, Shannon. Okay, just wanted to be sure. Thanks. Roy? Thank you. <clears throat> Just a couple. On page 106, actually the first correction under the board member Swanger requested the following corrections. It should uh, end with, uh, will be a decreased need instead of a decreased need. And then on um, page four of six, uh, the second line under section 7A, board members provided Superintendent Jeffrey with the questions and recommended changes to the policy. That's all. Any other corrections, clarifications? I just have a couple on um, page three of six. Under the discussion, uh, Superintendent Chaffrey stated her proposal included the kindergarten instructional assistant. Was that half time, Marge? So that should say instead of reading one kindergarten instructional assistant, it should read one half time. Then on page four of six, Roy caught the one. Under public safety and violence prevention, could we have that read the same way that administering medication to students policy read in that Superintendent Chaffrey and um, I believe Assistant Superintendent McLaughlin and possibly Business Administrator Chevenel all read the policy, but could it indicate somewhere that the policy was read aloud? Um, that would be great. Does it say that? Did I miss it? I went back a couple of times. Sorry. All right. Scratch that. Thank you, Roy. Page five of six under um, comments, Chair Valancourt, the second paragraph. Could we indicate um, she expressed a desire to attend the town council meeting on January 3rd at 6 p.m. to speak in support of keeping the school resource officer position at the high school. And I also spoke about the community outreach officer at the upper elementary school. And again, in the following sentence, um, let's see, the board members agreed to allow Chairman Valancourt to speak on behalf of the entire board at the upcoming town council budget hearing on January 3rd. Um, that's it for me. Any other corrections, Shannon? Um, actually, I noticed when you're going through a page four of six, the title for seven should it be first reading of new or updated policies? Yes. 
We all set then? With the motion to a vote, all those in favor of accepting the minutes from December 20th, 2010, please signify by saying aye. Passes 5-0-0. Item number three on tonight's agenda is public participation. This is an opportunity for members of the public to share their thoughts, concerns, ideas with the school board pertaining to school district business. Do we have anyone wishing to speak under public participation this evening? Seeing none, we will close public participation. Item number four, draft warrant articles for the 2011 warrant. Matt? Thank you. Um, this is the uh, draft of the warrant that will be voted on Tuesday, April 12th. Uh, the deliberative session is stated in the warrant as Monday, March 7th at 7 p.m. Uh, there are six warrant articles on the, uh, the warrant. Uh, the first one is just to elect all necessary school district officials. So that'll be uh, the candidates that are running by ballot vote. Article 2 reads, shall the Merrimack School Board <clears throat> be authorized to accept on behalf of the district without further action by voters gifts, legacies, and devices of personal or real property which may become available to the district during the year. Uh, this is a perennial article that we have um, every, every single year. We have it on the ballot. It's to accept uh, donations of land. You know, uh, the RSA states you can accept monetary donations over $5,000 by holding a public hearing or under $5,000 by having it at a regular board meeting. This is to authorize the board to accept uh, gifts of uh, land and real property during the school year. So that's Article 2. You want to take them one by one, or you want me to just go right down the line? You guys ready to move on? Um, if you have any questions, Matt, just look up, and we'll see if there's a show yep. of hands. All righty. Thank you. Yep. Article 3, uh, it was stated that um, there was uh, an agreement reached between the Merrimack School Board and the Merrimack Teachers Association for a uh, collective uh, bargaining agreement. That is this warrant article that you see before you here is Article 3. Shall the district vote to approve the cost items included in the collective bargaining agreement reached between the Merrimack School Board and the Merrimack Teachers Association, which calls for the following increases in salaries and benefits. Uh, year 2011-2012, uh, $630,656. 2012-2013, $660,000. It further goes on to state and raise and appropriate the sum of $630,656 for the 2011-2012 fiscal year, such sum representing the 2011-2012 cost attributable to the increase in salaries and benefits described above over those of the 2010-2011 fiscal year and shall the district reduce the operating budget, which is Article 6, by $450,000, which represents savings to be realized by the district due to an increase in the contribution level of the Merrimack Teachers Association towards the cost of health insurance and changes in the health plan design in this new collective bargaining agreement. Essentially, what we're, what we're looking here is a warrant article that raises $630,000 for year one, and it also acts to reduce the operating budget by $450,000. That would be in the area of health insurance. This is due to uh, 
a concession made on the part of the teachers uh, to uh, go with a changed plan design and an increased health contribution, uh, changing the cost driver from the point of service to the HMO. Uh, we feel this is a significant uh, item on their part to give to us to get this pay increase. And really, essentially, what you're looking at is raising the, the net, although I have to state what the gross amount is. So we're looking at a $180,000 increase to the operating budget. I also want to point out it's a two-year contract instead of a three. Any questions regarding it? Jen, did you have something? I just, I just want to make sure that people understand, and I'm sure this is going to come up more than once, but just so we can understand exactly. So we have to break it out separately that we're increasing probably the salary line and then decreasing the health insurance line. That's is that, correct. But you just have to spell that out in equal proportion. You can't just say we want to increase the budget as a whole by X amount of dollars and what the difference is. It's, is it's best to increase with, with the... With a health care contribution reduction this great, it's best to have it specified in the Warren article. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't really material, then we could think about doing that, but it is really material, so we need to spell it out. Yeah, no, and I think that's good, but even I'm, you know, where I'm somewhat familiar with, you know, the whole process, um, even I read it and had to reread it a few times to really understand why <coughs> we were breaking that down separately. So um, I just think the more we talk about it, the more people are going to understand why that's put out there as two separate items in the same warrant. Mm -hmm. Roy? Yeah, I, I, I was in the same position <laughs> as having to uh, reread re and ask about this. Um, and it was explained to me that even if, if you go back to the last contract that we negotiated, it was done in the very same way. But in that, in, in fact, uh, I guess it was three years ago, the increases were $800,000 and the uh, decrease in the budget was $300,000. So what we're seeing here is actually that the, the estimated increase is much smaller and the uh, decrease in the budget much larger. So hopefully we'll do an effective job of talking about it and getting the message out that this is not, uh, that I think this is a good deal for the district. Anyone else? Yeah, this, this, this is going to take a lot of uh, explaining. We'll have to come up with some sort of uh, handout, some information, obviously, uh, for everybody to understand it. But this uh, change in the health care contribution uh, over the years has been uh, a board strategy uh, throughout the uh, 10 years that I've been here and has conceivably saved, saved the, uh, the, the district uh, a lot of money over the years to get us in this type of position. So we're going to have to... Uh, try and explain that to everybody as best we right. can. Right, and, and thank you both for bringing this up. I think probably what we'll need to do, and I know um, the first year that I think, I don't know if it was the first year, Matt, that I sat through the budget process, you put some facts, questions, and answer sheets together that are still, I know, on the school district website under financials. The questions that people ask um, every year about default budget, how has it arrived, things like that, information that um, will be very valuable to people. I think this particular contract, um, it will behoove us to put something together in writing, and I don't know, possibly even attach something under financials under the website once we get a final vote on all of this, because I think it's very important for people to understand the magnitude of the health care concessions on behalf of the teachers' union to, um, to really understand what this Warren article is all about. And it's, it's, 
it is com complex <clears throat> when you've got money coming from one line item and then but being given back in, a, in another one so thank you Shannon well I have a question but I'm going to give Matt the luxury of deferment if he chooses and that is I have a question on how um, we would address article 6 based on the passage or failure of article 3 so would you want, prefer to wait for article no, 6 to discuss that or what maybe that's a great question Shannon go ahead Matt yes if if article 3 passes okay. uh, and article 6 passes article 3 comes before article 6 so article 3 would supersede article 6 so you'd take article 6 and reduce it by the four hundred fifty thousand dollars Okay. That's the way it was done in, in prior years, and it was accepted by DRA um, without any problem. So would we put anything in Article 6? That's why I said if you want to defer, it's fine with me. About if Article 3 passes, the operating budget would be reduced to $63,390,000. Tell me how I'm doing with math. No? Yeah, we, we hadn't done that in the past. Doesn't mean we can't look at it in the future. But um, I'll, I'll ask the question of our, our legal counsel uh, to would, see. Would you please, Matt, and Jean, let us know? Jean Van Loan has uh, seen these already and done some wordsmithing. Uh, they're up to the Department of Revenue Administration right now, okay. as you see them, and I haven't heard back from them yet. Because right. I think that would actually help people to understand what's best for their vote in three to see how, at the end of the day, it impacts six. So, Chris? This is a great conversation because I, I think I just heard something that um, contradicted my prior understanding. My understanding was that if Article 3 passes, the net effect of Article 3 is applied to either the proposed budget or the default budget, whichever one either passes or fails as part of 6. <coughs> so in other words, we reduce or we increase, right? We the net increase, right, a small net increase with a, an increase and a reduction, we either apply that to the 64.3 or the 65.7. Is that not correct? You would apply it to the 64.3 only. Only. It does not affect the, the default, default budget. Because okay. the default budget assumes that you, your current budget that you currently have moves forward with all the staff that you currently have, with the health care contribution being what it is, uh, and everything like that. So you would just okay. take it off the 64, 340. So it, it would act to separate us from the default budget even so what's, more. But in terms of the contract itself, the, the new contract is, is valid and passes, right? If it passes, Article 3, correct. You, you cannot, the default budget is what it is, yeah. um, regardless of what kind of changes we make in staffing, what kind of adjustments we make right. this year to health um, care costs, <coughs> the default budget is a number, a finite number that is identified and exists today. Right based on this year's budget. So, so I, I guess what I'm getting at so is... So we wouldn't we make the reduction to the default budget. We couldn't. We, we wouldn't, right. So the bottom line total that we operate under in the coming year would be that higher number. Correct. That's correct. But the contract and the contractual obligations would remain. And what it means is if we managed the budget uh, accordingly, we might have a slightly higher surplus because we would be spending less in terms of the contract than we had actually budgeted in the default budget. 
And, and that's what I would like to think would happen with this board. I would like to think if for some reason the budget failed and we were given more money that we wouldn't just spend it. Well, that's, that's been the past practice of this board. Right. So, so the but it doesn't mean we legally yeah. couldn't. Right. Yeah, that's a decision. Uh, that happened a few years ago, um, and uh, the board did uh, vote to, to hold back a certain, I think maybe $500,000 of the seven fifty that was added on that never got spent. Right, but that was money that was added Correct. to the operating budget at the deliberative mm -hmm. session, I think, yeah. is what. Marge, go ahead. Can I just say, based on what um, Shannon is asking, Chris, I think some of the questions you're posing that we're capturing would be very well put in the voter's guide that goes. What I'm really sensing, based on having done this work over the years with Jean Van Loan and so on, this document isn't going to change that much, no matter what we say, because it has got such legalese attached to it in the DRA. But the good thing is that in that voter's guide, it could be these questions that you're alluding to that perhaps haven't been asked like you're asking them right now, and we would put that or put an example over to the side so someone can figure it out. Because I think everyone gets so frustrated because this document can't change, and it just can't because of the legal requirements. Right. Mac and do of his illuminating charts that we enjoy so much. <laughs> Something actually. like that. But I'll ask Gene the question just because I'm kind of curious about if you could do anything with uh, Article 6 to reference Article 3. Um, I'm not sure what he'll say, but it'll be a good exercise anyway. Take a look at it. All set? Okay. Go ahead, Matt. Um, Article 4 is a um, refers back to Article 3. Basically, it says, shall the district, if Article 3 is defeated, authorize the school board to call one special meeting at its option to address Article 3 cost items only. Um, this is an article that gives you the opportunity to go back to the table if Article 3 fails and negotiate another contract with the uh, Teachers Association and bring that before the voters in a special meeting. If we didn't have this on the ballot, uh, you'd have to do a petition to Superior Court to get uh, approval for a special meeting, and they only grant those uh, exceptions in the event of emergencies, which this really wouldn't constitute one. So that's why that's there. Okay. The next article um, establishes a capital reserve fund um, let me just read the article, and then we'll chat about it a little bit. Uh, shall the district establish a capital reserve fund under the provisions of RSA 35-1 to be known as the Special Services and Central Office Consol Consolidation Fund for the purpose of construction and original equipping of a new central office and to raise and appropriate an amount of up to $200,000 or 20% of the unencumbered surplus funds remaining at the end of the fiscal year 2010-2011, whichever amount is less, and to transfer that amount to, that, to the said fund. So we're creating a new capital reserve fund. It's for the special services and central office. We will be taking the money from the 2010-2011 surplus, if there is one, uh, up to 200000 or 20% of the unencumbered surplus, whichever is less. So that means you, the maximum amount you can could do on this article would be $200,000, but you have the probability of, uh, possibility of, of doing less if there is a surplus. 
Thank you, Matt. Now, we had um, a lot of discussion at our last meeting about the dollar amount to put um, on this. I think we're all reached consensus about creating this, this capital reserve fund, but there was not a consensus <laughs> in the dollar amount. So I'm looking, I guess, for some feedback tonight regarding the dollar amount, and we can take a formal vote if that's what we need to do tonight on the, on the actual dollar amount that th is going to be applied to this Warren article. So, Shannon? Um, the first question I have before we even start discussion about the number is, is it by design that we take whatever amount is less, or is by declaring a numeric amount, does that legally cap you? So could it, could like at the deliberative session, could someone say 20% or 200,000, whichever is more, yeah, you have to, have to you, cap? You have to have a some certain. Uh, okay. as far as the voters go. So it has to be, it, it can't be more than what you're stating. So that's why it's $200,000 or 20% up to that amount. So, but you, whichever you is less. Yeah, you wouldn't specifically have to do the 20% if you didn't want to. You could just put a, a, a numeric value in there, but you have to have what they call a, a some certain amount in a Warren okay. article. And that's fine. I just, I didn't yeah. know if there was a legal and, and limitation you, in and that. And you know the purpose is. of the percentage is in if in fact the surplus were not to um, be greater, equal to or greater than the dollar amount we're proposing putting back, then it's just a way of um, taking a portion of that surplus and not using the entire surplus amount for this one warrant. No. Understood. It's got to be at least a million. For yeah. This for, to so, go to so that for level. instance, if you had a half a million dollar surplus, you'd put, be putting a hundred grand in the fund. Understood. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I understood how we were discussing it before I discussed it. Thanks. Anybody want to say anything about the number? Roy? Um, only that this happens to be exactly the amount that I had been thinking. Um, I, I'm hopeful that we would reach a uh, million dollar surplus next year, but I'm actually not, uh, well, I'm not very hopeful because I know that one major source of our surplus is not is going to be non-existent, and that's the uh, the healthcare guaranteed maximum rate. We already know that it came in at exactly the projected rate. So, whereas we had about a million million two from healthcare differential this year, next year we already know that that amount is not going to be part of the surplus. So, uh, I, I you know two hundred thousand dollars as a cap would be fine with me. I'm not convinced that we'll even hit that. Chris. I think I might have been one of the ones who was uh, perhaps in a different place on this uh, at the last meeting. I, you know, as I look at this this figure, it represents about 11 percent, I think, uh, of the overall project. Right. So a, a couple of years at, at this gets us, you know, over 20 percent of the project saved. I, I, you know, the more I think about it, the the more comfortable I am with with this as as an amount. And as Roy says, it's it's a it's a max, right? We may not even wind up putting this much aside. So uh, I'm comfortable with this amount. I, I had originally had one that was slightly lower, but I think it's fine. Any other? Jen? I'll just weigh in. Um, I'm fairly comfortable with the amount that we have here, the 200000 or the 20%, um, specifically because I think it also shows that there is a commitment on the school district's part that you know, we really do want to get a sense of what the voters are looking for. If if they're committed to putting aside two hundred thousand dollars 
of their money, then we'll understand that yes, you know, that they are committed also to the entire project itself. Um, because it is, you know, that's a good chunk of money. Um, but also where we only have a couple of years to be saving for this building, um, I don't think it's really worth it to just put a couple hundred thousand in an account and then leave it at that and not be able to give a sizable, you know, a, a significant enough of a contribution to offset the bond. Shannon, do you have anything? I do. I think the 200000 makes sense. As I said, getting a proper savings for a building for what could be considered a down payment for any, you know, household mortgage percentage to, to the uh, to the net value of the project. The only concern I have is what that 20% could do to limit that amount and what that what position that puts us in when we go to actually bring forward a building option in to bond it, that we wouldn't have as much in the savings knowing that the chances of us getting a million dollars in surplus is somewhere in the slim range. Honestly, Shannon, I, if that is the case, if our surplus is that low, I personally am not comfortable putting any more than 20% of it away regardless. Okay. Um, I think, and, and it is what it is. If we have to save three years instead of two, you know, that's, it's, um, but if our surplus were to come in lower than that, so that 20% is significantly lower than $200,000, that's personally where I would like to see it go. And then um, if, if we could just kind of put it out there, knowing that, you know, where we would be in the discussion process, that I think if it does come in that the surplus is significantly less than we had hoped and we are in that position that we discuss, you know, shortly after the election how it may affect CIPs, knowing that it is a fluid document, but knowing that we're trying to keep an eye on things, you know, with, with all the projects that have shifted, even in our budgetary discussions, that maybe we wouldn't wait until next year, but maybe make a just a short intermediate discussion about how, you know, the, the current events are going to have to adjust our plans. So I think that would be appropriate. We could do that, absolutely, but at the same time, we be, might be speaking for a board that doesn't actually exist because there's going to be elections, and we've got a, at least one board member up for election. And if um, we had a different board member come time to um, discuss the CIP next year, I think we've got to be really careful speaking on behalf of a board that technically doesn't exist yet. Well, no, I'm thinking we wouldn't know until the surplus happened, which would be June, July. Still, throwing yeah. a brand-new board member in their very first discussion about the C. I mean, I understand where you're going with it, Shannon, and I don't have any problem with having discussion, but having any type <clears> of formal <throat> commitment about the CIP at that um, point in an election cycle and a, as a budget cycle, I think we'd have to be careful. Chris? Uh, I, I would just note that the, the CIP as a document and a planning document is reviewed annually and, and assessed annually, right, against realities and priorities, right? I mean, we went through that this year. Um, I would imagine we'll do the same thing again next year, right, um, as part of the pre-budgeting process. And so the realities on the ground for, you know, the, the 2B board, right, would be the same, right? Perhaps the makeup might be different. Um, I don't know. But, but, you know, we wouldn't be committing to anything beyond simply doing business as usual, which is reviewing the CIP and, and, and assessing projects, right? Right, absolutely. But I, I can also see the benefit in um, what Shannon is suggesting and that we, we discuss with people. There was a perception last year during budget uh, process, during election time, that the CIP is a black and white document that never changes. There was an awful lot of discussion during um, the election cycle and campaigning. 
about people not being committed to the CIP as if it were not a fluid document at times and doesn't change with the realities of the economic climate in any given year. So maybe that's the message that we need to get out to people um, on a little bit more regular basis. The CIP, you know, is can change and may change, and it is reviewed annually. And um, just because it's on the CIP in one year and one doesn't mean the next year that's what the board's going to commit to. So possibly that's the kind of a discussion that we could have um, after the election, Shannon. Well, uh, definitely on, after the election. I think depending after we on know what, what's spent. Depending on what happens with this Warren article. Right. And Warren? as I, oh, sorry, as to conclude, the only thing I wanted to say was the CIP is inaccurate as we sit here anyway because our budgetary discussions already changed it. So I think it's something we want to track our hands around the vision before it gets too far along in the year. Uh, the only thing I wanted to add was <clears throat> I think the most important communication around this Warren article is going to be uh, what it's for because as much as we have discussed the consolidation of the special services and central office, uh, I don't believe that most of the public is really aware of it, nor are they aware of the work that's been done uh, because we often hear the same questions over and over again. Have you looked at existing space? Have you looked at leasing or renting <coughs> or buying? And yes, we have um, looked at all of those in depth. And I think that getting that kind of information out there now, even two years in advance of when we would first be even thinking about bonding this, is going to be important because otherwise people won't understand what this is really all about. No, I agree 100%. Any other comments? Chris? I wanted to pick up on something I thought I heard in Shannon's question and, and just make sure I understand. But I think I heard you ask whether um, uh, an appropriate amount of money needs to be set aside in order to um, uh, pull a bond for, for the project. And I, I just wanted to get clarification from Matt in terms of are there any requirements in terms of how much the district actually has set aside um, against how much they can borrow? In other words, Shannon used the, the analogy of a, a home mortgage and, and a 20% down set aside. Is, is that uh, it's not a requirement? In the no, it's, it's not a requirement. You, you can bond 100% of the cost of the project. But on the other hand, you can only bond up to a certain amount of your assessed valuation for the town. Um, it's a percentage. I'm not sure what it is, but it's significantly higher than the amount of bonded debt that we currently have. So that wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Everybody set? Okay, Matt, ready for Article 6? Um, Article 6 is the, the operating budget. Shall the district uh, raise and appropriate as an operating budget not included in appropriations by special warrant articles and other appropriations voted separately the amounts set forth on the budget posted with the warrant or as amended by the vote of the first session for the purposes set forth therein totaling $64,340,419. Should this article be defeated, the operating budget shall be 65-721-640, which is the same as last year with certain adjustments required by previous action of the district or by law or the governing body may hold one special meeting in accordance with RSA 40-13-10 and 15, uh, 16 to take up the issue of a revised operating budget only. 
uh, majority uh, vote required from the board. You know, in, in, in looking at this and thinking about what Mr. Ortega had said and kind of dusting the cobwebs off from probably too much vacation, I'm looking at the, the 450000 in Article 3. It says it's reduced by, reduce, to reduce the operating budget by 450000 Then if I come to Article 6, let's say Article 6 fails. So what is the operating budget? The operating budget would be the 65721, so that would be reduced. That, that's my opinion. Um, so, Matt, what if we called it the proposed operating budget versus the default? Would that make it clearer? It's very specific. Reduce the operating budget. So whatever that would be, whatever the operating budget is, one or the other, it would be reduced. Because it doesn't say, you know, specifically this is the default budget. It says this would be the operating budget. So... I'm almost leaning with leaving Article 6 the way it is um, because I think putting that in there would just confuse people. Yeah, because right now so. the default budget is a default budget. And like you said, un unless and if and when Article 6 fails, mm -hmm. the default budget is not the proposed operating budget until that article fails. Then it becomes the operating budget. Or it, it doesn't have to become the operating budget. You can hold another meeting. We could so hold even though meeting. Article 6 would fail, it wouldn't be the operating budget until you say it is the operating budget. Shannon? I'm just having so much fun, guys. I really <laughs> am. Um, the only question I have, because I know what it takes to put one of these little soirees together for a meeting, um, God forbid that we have to have a special meeting about Article 3 items and a special meeting about Article 6 items. Must they be two meetings? Because right now, according to Article 6, it says operating budget only and Article 3 cost items only. Must they be separate meetings? Well, only um, means separate warrant articles, basically. But I think says, you could do it at the same meeting. I'm not sure, to be that's, honest with that, you. That's really my question. Or could you adjourn and do you start another meeting? I mean, I don't know if you're, if you're stuck in the, writing two different yeah. things. That's all. Common sense would kind of dictate if you're going to have one meeting, have one meeting with these two items on the ballot, but you never know. But that's why I worry about right. the verbiage, if it limits you to that. That's all. Something to, I don't know if it's for asking anyway, if it's something to ask, but. If I've, I just, not something we've had happen in the time that I've been on the board, so. I know, this would be the year, Shannon, I know. <laughs> Any other I didn't questions? Want to sound like um, as far as process, we are going. You'll see on the bottom of each article, there's a little parenthesis school board vote, and there's a place for our vote at our next meeting, January 18th, right, Marge? We will take a formal vote on um, that will go forward and read on the warrant about whether the school board basically supports or doesn't support, or by how much each warrant article. We'll go through each warrant article individually and take a vote on each one at our next meeting. Any other questions? Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Item number five, Merrimack School District Budget Committee meeting schedule, March. I thought it would be important to highlight um, the budget meetings that are going to be coming up because that's the next step in the process. Currently, budget liaisons are meeting with um, school administrators on their respective budgets. So, 
Uh, we were planning on convening um, for the first time at Master Call Elementary School in the all-purpose room at 7 p.m. on January 11th, next Tuesday. On that night, the following department budgets will be looked at. Food Services, James Master Call Upper Elementary School, Merrimack Middle School, and the Maintenance Department. If for some reason there's inclement weather and the Budget Committee Chairman cancels the meeting, then the snow date for that first session would be Thursday, January 13th. On the following um, Tuesday, which would be January, or two Tuesdays, January 25th, that um, evening there will be five budgets reviewed, library media services, special education, all three K through four elementary schools, Merrimack High School, and the district itself. If for some reason there is inclement weather on that particular Tuesday night, the following Thursday, January 27th, would be the time for the meeting. Then warrant articles and a budget work session will take place on February 1st, which is a Tuesday. There is um, a public hearing scheduled budget recommendations and final actions by the Budget Committee on Tuesday, February 8th, and in case there was inclement weather, that particular date, February 15th, would be um, the date, the snow date. So those are the meetings upcoming for January and February. Thank you, March. Any questions? Item number six, response to proposed New Hampshire School Board resolutions. As was promised at our last meeting, we're gonna do the second half tonight. You'll have in your packet, resolutions part two. Um, Marge had made a note too at the bottom that the last three proposals are all focused on the new bullying law. And she said perhaps we could um, combine them as one topic or we could discuss them individually. I don't have a problem with any, um, any unless somebody's got a strong opinion. I, I think because the last three are very similar topics, I think we can go through each one and make a recommendation, but a lot of our discussion will happen on the first one. So is that okay with you? All right. Number 13, resolution submitted by SAU number 62, proposed resolution to recommend to the New Hampshire legislature that the statutes related to education be recodified. And you'll see at the bottom that this adoption uh, was not recommended by the New Hampshire School Boards Association Board of Directors. Any comments, proposals, questions? Chris? Um, the rationale for, uh, for this resolution is that um, this is going to make it easier to, to answer important questions, and it's especially true for new school board members. Um, as I look at the, the impact of recodifying all of the education laws, um, and as a new school board member myself, um, I haven't found it that difficult to get the questions that I need answered, answered through various means. Um, this seems to be a solution looking for a problem. An increasing so, amount uh, of work where no work is absolutely. really needed. Absolutely. So my Roy? vote would be okay. not to support this resolution. I, I have to agree. Having um, being married to someone who had to deal with the uh, reauthorization of all, just the special education rules, and seeing what a ridiculously large amount of work that is, a this will never happen. 
and uh, be it's the type of thing that you would only do if there was nothing else to do up in Concord that year because it would be fantastically complicated and thousands and thousands of hours of work. Um, so I don't see any point in uh, supporting it, certainly. Any other discussion? Anyone interested in making a motion to either support or not support, support the resolution? Chris? Um, I move that uh, our board not support resolution number 13. Is there a second? Shannon? Any further discussion? Put the motion to a vote. All those in favor of not supporting resolution number 13, signify by saying aye. Passes 5-0-0. Resolution 14, submitted by SAU number 51, proposed resolution. The New Hampshire School Board Association opposes the State of New Hampshire Executive Branch and the New Hampshire Board of Education's adoption of federal education standards Common Core Standards, which by its development will preclude a de-emphasis and eventual elimination of local control and local school board oversight. And you'll see after the uh, rationale, review, and analysis that there's an alternative adoption recommended by the New Hampshire School Boards Association Board of Directors. It says they oppose any branch of New Hampshire government adopting or supporting curriculum standards that upsurp states' rights and de-emphasize and limit local control of curriculum and local school board oversight. Go ahead, Roy. Yeah, um, I, I like the um, alternative adoption because, uh, frankly, just grammatically, the resolution as proposed makes no sense in, in several ways. But I do agree that, um, you know, especially in New Hampshire, Education is about local control and uh, the extent to which the state is trying to adopt or push core standards that uh, we don't have control over does usurp that uh, tradition and constitutional local control. So my personal preference would be to support the alternative adoption but not the original resolution. Any other comments? Is there a motion? Right. I move that we uh, support the alternative adoption recommended by the New Hampshire School Board Association Board of Directors for resolution number 14. Second by Chris. Put the motion to a vote. All those in favor of supporting the alternative adoption recommended by the New Hampshire School Boards Association Board of Directors signify by saying aye. Passes 500. Okay, number 15, resolution submitted by SAU number 51, proposed resolution. The New Hampshire School Board Association opposes New Hampshire revised, revised statute, I don't even know what the ANN annotated. annotated, thank you, March, 193-F colon 2, the bullying statute as signed into law during the 2010 General Assembly due to its overbroad and vague definitions and phrases making the implementation of the present law subjective in interpretation. And let's see. It says at the bottom, the adoption is not recommended by the New Hampshire School Boards Association Board of Directors, and it refers you to proposed resolution number 16. So any discussion about number 15? Roy? I, I think it's hard to avoid discussing all three of these resolutions together. Do you want me just to read all yeah, three one, of them? And, actually, that, okay. that would probably help. Very good. 
Number 16, resolution submitted by SAU number two, proposed resolution, the New Hampshire School Boards Association and its member districts support efforts to promote pupil safety and violence prevention in our schools. However, RSA 193-F colon two, one, imposes costs, both direct and indirect, that are in conflict with the Article 28A of Part 1 of the New Hampshire Constitution. And after you go through the impact review and analysis, you will see an alternative adoption recommended by the New Hampshire School Boards Association Board of Directors supports legislative action to improve to remove the unfunded mandate provisions of RSA 193-F pupil safety and violence prevention. The imposition of these new mandates and their related financial costs without additional state funding violates the New Hampshire Constitution, Part 1st, Article 28-A. And we'll move on to resolution. Number 17, submitted by SAU number 59, proposed resolution. With the passage of the new bullying laws, RSA 193, in 2010, the New Hampshire Legislature expanded the definition of pupil harassment, bullying, bullying, and mandated New Hampshire school districts enact additional policies, procedures to monitor, investigate, and report bullying. As school districts work to interpret the changes to RSA 193 and establish new policies and procedures, they are realizing additional costs parentheses, legal costs, and consumption of staff time. Moreover, it is still not clear what the additional cost of compliance will be to implement the new monitoring and reporting policies and procedures. After impact review and analysis, which I don't really think that resolution is recommending any action, but anyway, it's just stating a fact. Adoption not recommended by the New Hampshire School Boards Association Board of Directors. So with that, Roy, do you want to weigh in? Sure do. Um, well, first of all, I'll, I'll start at the end. Resolution number 17 is not a resolution, it's an opinion. Um, and I, I understand the motivation behind it and I agree with it, but it, as you said, it does not actually ask for anything. It, there's no resolution there. So um, resolution 15 about the overbroad and vague definitions, again, that's getting into opinions that, and, and just saying it opposes the bullying statute, um, I think, in my opinion, goes too far because I think the bullying statute does have some um, some value to it. But I think that the resolution 16, uh, the alternative adoption recommended by the board of directors, gets to the heart of the concerns I have, which is the unfunded mandate, and especially around the annual training, which we discussed when we heard the policy read last time. Uh, it seems that that part of the law in particular was not well thought through. I mean, the idea that you're going to have training on the same topic every year for all your staff, uh, it's hard to conceive of how that is going to have value in the long and term. And volunteers. And, and volunteers, yeah, that's a, that's a logistical nightmare right there. So I think from what I see, the best um, of these three is the alternative adoption uh, recommended for number 16. Um, again, uh, the other thing I'd just like to note is that the original statement of number 16 is not a resolution either. It's just kind of a, a statement of history. So my preference among all these would be that alternative adoption um, 
for number 16, but I, even that, I think, needs a little more fleshing out at the school boards association meeting to maybe be very specific about the training aspect, which needs some work. I, as far as process, I would just like to throw out there possibly after we've had our um, final discussion regarding this, a thought came that maybe we could have a motion to um, support one of these, and I'm leaning, I pretty much agree with Roy and everything he said, I'm leaning with the alternative adoption of Article 16. Possibly we could include in that motion supporting that while not supporting the other two resolutions to um, cover all our bases? Actually, um, because it's an alternative adoption recommended by the New Hampshire School Board Association, I think the appropriate motion would be to, as presented, not approve 15, 16, and 17, yet approve the alternate adoption by the New Hampshire School Board Association. I think that says that, the, as presented, none of those three options work for us, but the New Hampshire School Board Association is on the right track. And that's something that I would support, unless somebody else has any different of opinion. Go ahead, Chris. Maybe a slightly different opinion, um, and some of this may be a matter of um, you know, taking exception with, with perhaps the way the, the resolutions themselves are stated, but I think the point of number 15, I agree with everything that's been said about the unfunded mandates and the, and the difficulties in implementing um, some, of, some of these um, uh, uh, you know, remediation uh, actions. Um, and training and, and everything else that, that and reporting that, that need to go on. Um, but I think that there's a, a sentiment in 15 that, that I think requires some, some attention. And, um, and I brought this up at our last meeting, perhaps not as, as clearly as, as um, my reread of this resolution gets at. Some of the things in the statute are pretty clear, right? You, you can physically harm somebody. That's bullying. But there are things like, you know, exclusion or perceived value or imbalances of power, right, which, you know, it's, it's like art, right? You know, I, I don't know it, but I, you know, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. And, and I think that that will cause districts to have challenges um, when we perhaps, um, you know, uh, questionably uh, punish a student perhaps for bullying. Um, and, and it gets challenged and, okay, well, what was your proof? They didn't include somebody at a party. Or were they bullying them? Or they just weren't invited? I, I'm not I'm using probably a, a poor example, but, um, but I think that there's a sentiment in 15 that, that I think warrants um, discussion, and maybe it needs work at, at the school board's association, but, but um, I, I'm not willing to dismiss it entirely because I think it will present us with challenges. Okay, and I see where you're going with that, and I understand. My only concern is that it, it's not really a resolution. There's no... But we've, we've had a discussion here about how some of these um, resolutions are just not thought out, and there's all kinds of consequences that could happen as a result of. So I, I guess um, then if we've got one board member... So I'm hearing, Chris, so that you would like to keep 15 out on its own and have a discussion and have a recommendation to support or not and do 16 and 17 together without 15. Yeah, and, and I guess what I'd like to, to understand is, never having been to the school board uh, association meeting, what the, the, the mechanisms are. Is this, uh, 
you know, a straight up or down, or are there things here that we think are worthwhile that are worth that group working through? And, and I don't know enough about how uh, the school board's association works these resolutions or whether this is what they're presenting to us for, um, you know, a straight up or down vote. And if it is, then, then I would agree with you. We need to sort of knock it down. But I, I see the, the value in what was brought forward. I think the expectation is, um, though every year might be a tad different, is that if a school board um, took the time to put something together, resolution, opinion, whatever, it will make its way to the floor and there will, um, the, the parties that put it forth, like in other words, someone from, a board member from the Pittsfield uh, School District will stand and will say how they got where they got and so on. And then there'll be an expectation that there'll be a stand taken on it one way or the other, even if it was to say, this has merit um, and it raises issues that you're raising, but it's just um, really not a movable thing. It's more like laying out what you think the problems of this are or whatever. But I think each one will have its day in court, if you will, simply because they took the time to do sure. to do it. So, so I guess you know, on this one, my feeling would be that as written, right, it, having its day in court, um, that, that as a board we ought to express, or at least I personally would express, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, agreement with the sentiment, uh, but but as written, I would not approve the resolution. Right? Would would be the the type of feedback that that I think would be valuable to come from us. And I, not having actually sat through one of these myself, but having a general understanding of how this works. I mean, this we as a SAU could come up with a resolution and bring it forward and, and have it discussed and we may be really good at it or we may not be so good at it as I think some of these um, some of these resolutions come from frustration that school different school districts and school boards feel so it's it's the all the school districts getting together the school boards getting together and like Marge said having having their day in court but knowing that and I'm not saying that it's for naught. I don't ever want to say that any work that anybody does is for naught. But a lot of times, none of these things get legs. And it's how much we can get um, a lot of SAUs behind and then actually have action taken at the legislative level. Right. And that's not an easy thing to do. I think the bullying um, statute, there's still so much more, uh, a lot, a lot of discussion still needing to take place regarding that. So I think there will be a lot of discussion on that one. But some of these, and, and as a school board, this is the first time ever since Jennifer and I have sat on the board that we've actually gone through these in such detail. For the most part, we've had um, them presented to us. We've said, are there any that you're really concerned about or you want to weigh in on? And a lot of times our school board rep has gone and kind of listened in and only really vocally weighed in on a select one or two that a certain school board member had um, had a really valid uh, concern, a specific th um, question or concern they wanted raised at the delegation. But so it wasn't even a consensus of Right, the board. no, no. So I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. I think the way they were presented to us this year is different, as Marge pointed out. They've never been presented to us in quite this detail before. So I think that warrants us spending a little bit more time on them and really giving a lot of thought to them. 
Um, and in fairness, I think getting a consensus from the board on some of these is, is really an appropriate way to go. But I think the bullying one's going to take on a life of its own, and I expect a lot more discussion about that. So, so uh, Chris, does that help make things a little bit clearer that helps. to you? And, and so but I get what you're saying about number 15, and I'm, I'm very willing to support the way that you'd like to go and discuss okay. number 15 by itself as long as no one else has any. Any concerns? Okay, so is there going to be a motion made regarding resolution number 15? Chris? Um, I move that we not support resolution number 15 at the New Hampshire School Board Association, um, yet support the, the sentiment that, that generated uh, the resolution. Is there a second? Made by Roy. Any further discussion? Put the motion. Roy, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just, because Chris <laughs> raised some really good points. The, it, to me, it's not so much the overbroad and vague part, but when you start combining things like um, including uh, actions that happen both on and off school property with things such as causing emotional distress to a pupil, then you know where you ha you do have to worry about where is the line between what the school's responsibility is and where the parent's responsibility is. So I think there's some valid concern here that. Will probably get uh, probably get expressed quite loudly at the uh, Congress or whatever. I agree. Ready to put the motion to a vote. All those in favor of not supporting the resolution but supporting the sentiment behind it, signify by saying aye. Passes five zero zero. Now, do I have a motion regarding resolutions sixteen and seventeen, Shannon? I move that we do not accept the resolutions as submitted for 16 and 17. However, we do accept the alternate adoption recommended by the New Hampshire School Board Association Board of Directors. Is there a second? Chris, any further discussion? Jen? I don't know if, I don't have an alternative for 17. There isn't. There isn't, just no, for 16, just right? Just for 16, correct. Okay, I, I must have misunderstood yeah. the motion. Okay. Right, so the motion states that we do not support resolution 16 and 17 as presented, but we do support the alternative recommended to our to resolution 16. Okay. All right. right, Shannon? Correct. Okay. Put the motion to a vote. All those in favor? Passes 500. Shannon. You have it. Go forth and represent the Merrimack School Board in a fine manner, of which I have every confidence that you will do. And, and I'm have not fun, going, too. I'm not going with an iPhone where I can check the scores of the playoff games either, so I'm really going to be paying attention. <laughs> Shannon, do you have any other questions for us before? No, I took notes from all of our discussions um, from both nights, so I will be bringing the notes in the columns, and then I will be coming back with... Basically, I'll give you a full report of how every uh, motion and vote fleshed out during the process. Thank you. Item number seven, other correspondence. Is there any correspondence to come before the board this evening? So maybe we received one email, the entire school board, from budget committee member, um, past school board member, George Markwell, requesting that the school board consider placing any funds pertaining to a combined SPED SAU office on a warrant 
so that the voters would have a say in the matter, which is something we've been discussing and have proposed all along, so we're all set with that. Any other correspondence? Seeing none, any comments to come from the board? Just wanted to state thank you for your support and allowing me to represent the school board tonight at the budget hearing for the town council at six o'clock. I arrived with high school principal Ken Johnson and vice chair Jennifer Thornton was kind enough to come and show her support for the school district. It was a packed house. It was, um, there was a lot of support basically in opposition to cuts for the police department and um, the fire department there tonight. There was a good hour of um, public comment when we started our meeting tonight. So um, they were very kind. Town Council Chair Tom Koenig allowed myself and Ken Johnson to speak at the very beginning of the meeting. He was very kind to accommodate me knowing that I had another meeting to come to tonight. So I expressed our um, concern regarding any reduction in services of any SRO but particularly the high school and the upper elementary school, as was noted by the town manager when he presented his budget to the town council. Shannon? Again, that's school resource officer, SRO. What do I keep saying? SRO. School resource officer, sir. And then somebody tonight said RSO, and I was like, school resource officer. I'm sorry. Well, actually, um, Officer Kelleher is a community outreach officer. He's technically not a school resource officer, but just to keep it simple so thank you Shannon all right no other comments number eight new business any new business to come before the board committee reports number nine any committee reports we just I know we had Christmas and New Year's we'll get back to work now item number 10 public comments on agenda items <laughs> seeing none we will close public comments on agenda items. We will now take a minute to sign the manifest. I will entertain a motion to adjourn, made by Shannon, second by Roy. All those in favor? Passes 500. Thank you. Good evening. <laughs>